jump right in here with both feet screaming. Hello. How's your day going? Pretty good. It's we time. spent it together. We did. We spent it outsourcing. Running around. Having a good time. Took, took a, a, a ride in the car. Took a trip ride to Seoul. A, Sol, a trip to Solon today. And where was the trip yesterday? Uh, past Barberton? Lodi? Mm, past Lodi, too. Past Lodi. I forget what town, but I know it was past Lodi. As my friends to call it, Lodi. The land of decreasing intelligence. This is true. Uh, yep. yeah, so we've been, uh, um, sourcing for our eBay store. Uh, yes. We, um, let me see, I'm trying to find, where's the town we went to yesterday? That eBay store is called Voodoo Zombie Boutique, in case you're a shopper. New Franklin, in Ohio, is where we went yesterday. New Franklin, yeah. It's a little town. That's cool. Yeah. Facebook Marketplace. People are unloading VHS tapes like crazy, and they don't know what they have. They and don't care. We went to they a want the room back. Yeah, we went to a sale yesterday and paid ten cents a piece for VHS tapes. And today we spent five dollars on two boxes of about 120 tapes. And there are, I mean, just instantly we're gonna make our money back off of the the original Star Wars VHS. The, the the original three pack that they they did in the 80s mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it's in beautiful shape and there's sealed stuff like crazy sealed planet of the apes movies yeah yeah um the real colorful sealed planet of the apes ones. they don't sell for a lot but you know 7.99 9.99 why you not know. we felt like and, taking a drive yeah. uh maybe this will also be a reseller vhs analog enthusiast podcast as well as a listen to a story because well, vhs they're stories we like stories we would like to watch movies and maybe you like to listen to stories also well we maybe found, you like to watch movies yeah today we found some crazy stuff uh some mondo shock horror like faces of death kind of stuff and that oh. stuff I never people, watched one. People of buy that stuff. stuff like crazy too, and because they're sick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like uh, sick people, but I I don't know if I watch the movie of people. No, I'm not selling comic yeah. books yet. Living, that's part of my retirement plan. That and my CD collection. <laughs> uh, VHS, yeah, I know. VHS is fun because I'm very. I'm very knowledgeable about movies and you know, release versions and things like that because I used to collect stuff on VHS. And I have a rather valuable collection of my own. We just sold a documentary um, uh, called Document of the Dead about George Romero. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know... Just today. Just today. Just today. Uh, 20 bucks for that to somebody overseas, right? Yeah. Somebody, I'm not sure what country... We I just could check send the... it to the. Nah, it doesn't matter. I mean, we send it to that that yeah. uh, place in Kentucky, and then yeah. they, you know, send it out there. They send it out. So, 
but yeah, so the the original, but yeah, Foxfires are, are, are living in Long Island's right. The uh, the original versions of the Star Wars trilogy. These are the uncut ones. The in they're the really nice packaging too, with the like the original movie posters on the front too, and not those the ones that they did in the in the nineties with like the close ups of like Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, and Yoda. Uh, those are worth a little bit because those were also untouched. They were before George Lucas put all the gross CGI in it. But yeah, so we but no, we're 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 finding stuff. We're trying to find horror stuff because horror stuff sells. It's like it, you know, horror, it's so funny cuz horror VHS sells really well and heavy metal mm-hmm. CDs sell really well. Now, mm-hmm. other CDs that are not heavy metal don't sell really well. Not other really, movie no. other other tapes that are not, you know, horror or, you know, something kind of obscure cuz we won't sell stuff like Titanic and you know Jerry Maguire. We, we, actually, and, we have know. a copy of Titanic. I for think sale. we have two now. Oh, was it sealed? Yeah, but yeah, it was sealed. But I mean, but, I mean, that's not the stuff. We have two hundred and fifty listings right that's now. That's not the stuff that we're. That's not the stuff that we're. We're you yeah. know really marketing ourselves with. We're we're not we're going, specializing in. in we're uh, going for weird stuff. Hard but to we find. do have a, a few Hollywood video rentals. So yeah, rental you know. copies sell. People yeah. like the rental copies. They feel like it's they you know do. they they own some part of like a bygone era when they have a rental copy. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, <coughs> excuse me. But yeah. So you know we're 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 having fun with it. Obviously, this is something we've been talking about a lot the last couple of days because we just got a huge influx of inventory that we're going through. The <laughs> it's funny. Um, Today, the the stuff we got today, I found probably about twenty or thirty bootleg tapes, uh, <laughs> which is just funny and such an anomaly. It's like who was buying bootleg VHS tapes? You know, there, it's like Godzilla. No, it wasn't Godzilla. It was like it was like some Jackie Chan movies and stuff like that. You know, just dumb crap. Some Tommy Lee Jones movies or something. Because I picked a couple up and I was like, that cover looks weird. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh god, it's totally a bootleg. So, uh, hilarious. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, we should probably get to the, the matter at hand. People didn't come to hear us talk about, uh, our eBay store, but you should check it out. And if you know anybody, I did, I did post the link in the chat room. So check it out. Definitely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you would like to do that, but, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a, you know, you don't have to, we've got stories. We've got other stories other than VHS and video stories. We got We've talking got over each other. We got stories. Old time radio stories. Talking over each other and stories. <laughs> what do you got to say? What do you want to say? No, it's fine. Um, but uh, we're on a delay, believe it or not, because we're like two rooms away. Um, yeah. But it's hard uh, to hard to know when you're talking. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, we last week we have the same, pretty much the same formula for last week. Uh, this week is last week. Two episodes of Ozma of Oz, uh, the uh, dramatic LibriVox uh, version, uh, Wormwood Forest, uh, Let's Pretend, and two Jerry of the Circus episodes. So yes. I think without further ado, we should probably get to uh, Ozma of Oz because Dorothy, mm-hmm. she got well. She she got kind of bold and uh, she she volunteered uh, to do the uh, 
what was it, the the twelve guesses or something like that? And do you remember yeah, the story? Yeah, twelve guesses. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Ozma got Ozma did her twelve guesses and she disappeared. I think Dorothy did thirteen guesses and she disappeared. So that's where we are, and I'm not sure. Well, I th- if I think the it was the cliffhanger. Woodsman was, went next. I think it was the cliffhanger that Dorothy was going next. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. That, I, I maybe. think that's I where for- we were. Yeah, but um, they will explain and sh- and talk to you more about the knickknacks. All right. Let's knick-knacks, find out Patty about uh, yep. you know fun knickknacks of Oz. Chapter thirteen of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter thirteen. The Gnome King laughs. In a moment, the king returned to his throne and relighted his pipe, and the rest of the little band of adventurers settled themselves for another long wait. They were greatly disheartened by the failure of their girl ruler and the knowledge that she was now an ornament in the Gnome King's palace, a dreadful, creepy place in spite of all its magnificence. Without their little leader, they did not know what to do next, and each one, down to the trembling private of the army, began to fear he would soon be more ornamental than useful. Suddenly, the Gnome King began laughing. <laughs> What's happened? asked the Scarecrow. Why, your friend, the Tin Woodsman, has become the funniest thing you can imagine, said the King. No one would ever believe he could make such an amusing ornament. Next! They gazed at each other with sinking hearts. One of the generals began to weep dolefully. What are you crying for? asked the Scarecrow, indignant at such a display of weakness. He owed me six weeks back pay, said the General. And I hate to lose him. Then you shall go and find him, declared the Scarecrow. Me, cried the General, greatly alarmed. Certainly. It is your duty to follow your commander. March. I won't, said the general. I'd like to, of course, but I just simply won't. The scarecrow looked inquiringly at the Gnome King. Never mind, said the jolly monarch. If he doesn't care to enter the palace and make his guesses, I'll throw him into one of my fiery furnaces. I'll go! Of course I'm going! yelled the general, as quick as scat. Where is the entrance? Where is it? Let me go at once! So the Gnome King escorted him into the palace, and again returned to wait the result. What the general did, no one can tell. But it was not long before the king called for the next victim, and a colonel was forced to try his fortune. Thus, one after another, all of the twenty-six officers filed into the palace and made their guesses, and became ornaments. Meanwhile, the king ordered refreshments to be served to those waiting, and at his command a rudely shaped gnome entered. 
bearing a tray. This gnome was not unlike the others that Dorothy had seen, but he wore a heavy gold chain around his neck to show that he was the chief steward of the Gnome King, and he assumed an air of much importance, and even told his majesty not to eat too much cake late at night or he would be ill. Dorothy, however, was hungry, and she was not afraid of being ill. So she ate several cakes and found them good. And also she drank a cup of excellent coffee made of a richly flavored clay, browned in the furnaces, and then ground fine, and found it most refreshing, and not at all muddy. Of all the party which had started upon this adventure, the little Kansas girl was now left alone with the scarecrow, Tick-Tock, and the private for counselors and companions. Of course the cowardly lion and the hungry tiger were still there, but they, having also eaten some of the cakes, had gone to sleep at one side of the cave, while upon the other side stood the sawhorse, motionless and silent, as become a mere thing of wood. Bilna had quietly walked around and picked up the crumbs of cake which had been scattered, and now, as it was long after bedtime, she tried to find some dark place in which to go to sleep. Presently the hen espied a hollow underneath the king's rocky throne, and crept into it unnoticed. She could still hear the chattering of all those around her, but it was almost dark underneath the throne, so that soon she had fallen fast asleep. Next, called the king, and the private, whose turn it was to enter the fatal palace, shook hands with Dorothy and the scarecrow and bade them a sorrowful goodbye and passed to the rocky portal. They waited a long time, for the private was in no hurry to become an ornament and made his guesses very slowly. The gnome king, who seemed to know by some magical power all that took place in his beautiful rooms of his palace, grew impatient finally and declared he would sit up no longer. I love ornaments, said he, but I can't wait until tomorrow to get more of them. So, as soon as that stupid private is transformed, we will all go to bed and leave the job to be finished in the morning. Is it so very late? asked Dorothy. Why, it is after midnight, said the king. And that strikes me as being late enough. There is neither night nor day in my kingdom, because it is under the earth's surface, where the sun does not shine. But we have to sleep just the same as the upstairs people do, and for my part, I am going to bed in a few minutes. Indeed, it was not long after this that the private made his last guess. Of course, he guessed wrongly, and of course, he at once became an ornament. So the king was greatly pleased and clapped his hands to summon his chief steward. Show these guests to some of the sleeping apartments, he commanded. And be quick about it, too, for I am dreadfully sleepy myself. You've no business to sit up so late, replied the steward gruffly. You'll be as cross as a griffin tomorrow morning. His Majesty made no answer to this remark, and the chief steward led Dorothy through another doorway into a long hall, from which several plain but comfortable sleeping rooms opened. The little girl was given the first room, and the scarecrow and Tick-Tock the next, although they never slept, and the lion and the tiger the third. 
The sawhorse hobbled after the steward into the fourth room to stand stiffly in the center of it until morning. Each night was rather a bore to the scarecrow, Tick-Tock, and the sawhorse, but they had learned from experience to pass the time patiently and quietly, since all their friends, who were made of flesh, had to sleep and did not like to be disturbed. When the chief steward had left them alone, the scarecrow remarked sadly, I am in great sorrow over the loss of my old comrade, the Tin Woodman. We have had many dangerous adventures together and escaped them all, and now it grieves me to know that he has become an ornament and is lost to me forever. He was always an ornament to society, said Tick-Tock. True, but now the Gnome King laughs at him and calls him the funniest ornament in all the palace. It will hurt my poor friend's pride to be laughed at, continued the Scarecrow sadly. We will make rather absurd ornaments ourselves to-morrow, observed the machine in his monotonous voice. Just then Dorothy ran into the room in a state of great anxiety, crying, Where's Bellina? Have you seen Bellina? Is she here? No, answered the Scarecrow. Then what has become of her? asked the girl. Why, I thought she was with you said the scarecrow. Yet I do not remember seeing the yellow hen since she picked up the crumbs of cake. We must have left her in the room where the king's throne is, decided Dorothy, and at once she turned and ran down the hall to the door through which they had entered. But it was fast closed and locked on the other side, and the heavy slab of rock proved to be so thick that no sound could pass through it so Dorothy was forced to return to her chamber. The cowardly lion stuck his head into her room to try to console the girl for the loss of her feathered friend. The yellow hen is well able to take care of herself, said he. So don't worry about her, but try to get all the sleep you can. It has been a long and weary day, and you need rest. Oh, I'll probably get lots of rest tomorrow when I become an ornament, said Dorothy sleepily. But she lay down upon her couch, nevertheless, and in spite of all her worries, was soon in the land of dreams. End of chapter 13 Recorded by Lyle Wilson, Haymarket, Virginia, August 2009. Wow. Oh, goodness. 2009 he recorded it. That's well, over a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, living on Long Island was asking if the Gnome King looks like the Travelocity Gnome. No. The it's Gnome like King Santa Claus. the Travelocity. He's like a Santa Claus gone wrong. Yeah, he kind of is. He's like a uh, bizarro Santa Claus. Yeah. Creepy. And he likes to enslave people. Yep. Yep. For, the for horror, the amusement. terror. But something could happen. Something could happen very soon. Now, the Gnome King was portrayed as, as the big guy made out of rocks in Return to Oz, right? Yeah, yeah. There's was a he, Was he as big of a bastard? Meme of him. 
was he as big a bastard in that movie as he is in the book? I think he's a bigger bastard in the movie. Like, he's he's scarier in the movie, but I haven't seen the movie in so long. I just posted a meme, meme of him. Yeah. Hi, Heather. But, um, yeah. He's kind of so, jolly in the books. Look, he's jolly looking, but he's yeah. he's not. He's not a nice guy. But, yeah. They make him made of stone in the movie, which yeah. is kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a um, drastic interpretation because I think they said that the color of his beard was the color of the stones, right? But they, but he was dressed in Maybe, green, and yeah. green and red and yellow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah. that was fun, you know. And again, you know, our original narrator is gone. Um, from this hopefully he returns at some point mm -hmm. um but yeah so i guess I, I was wrong about dorothy i so i think maybe so dorothy's next i i guess she's coming up i think yeah. all the people in the military are going first but they're yeah. not making good guesses i don't know like no i think i was trying to remember some of the ornaments and stuff but I think that they do resemble their identities in some way. But everybody in the military is going to guess wrong because they don't know them. Yeah. They don't know them. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember um, I, something I wanted to talk about last time we were on. Um, mm -hmm. There was, uh, I, I was yeah. watching an episode of Buck Rogers in the 25th Century uh, weekend before last, I believe. Yeah, no, I no maybe maybe it was less. I don't. Yeah, it was it, it was a couple weeks ago, and uh, there's an episode of that show called um, Sigorach. Sigorachics. I don't. There's Sigorachics, um, and there is a, a Buck and Hawk. Uh, they explore a derelict spaceship where they find. Um, uh, a ship full of solar bombs and a crew of seven dwarves. But what's interesting about it is much like Oz, the, uh, what, is that this military or another military where they're all generals and there's just one soldier? I know that that's the military of Oz. Okay. That there's one private. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was one crew member of all, of all these guys. So they were all, they were all like. Uh, you know, uh, captains or something like that, captains of the ship, and then there was one crew member. So I was like, oh, well, that was lifted directly from Oz. Um, so uh, it was a really offensive episode in so many ways. I bet it was because, you know, I mean, it's like Buck Rogers in the 25th century. It was a little after Oz, and, and Oz was kind of for the for a long time... Mm was one of the real first uh Oz is considered the first fairy tale of the yeah. of America you know yeah. so writers would be somewhat familiar with it especially if they um were children during that time there wasn't a lot of other things besides you know mother goose available well what was really offensive about this episode is that the dwarves had never seen a woman as beautiful as Wilma Deering and she oh, got left yeah. alone in a room with them, and it's implied that they use their mental powers to strip search her. So, oh, Lord. yeah, yeah, freaking gross. 
Uh, it is. But that was that's, so that's cringy. What, that's a, a pre-PC world. You've got some really silly things that happen, yeah. I'll bet. So, uh, but anyway, um, I just thought I would, uh, uh, you know, share that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's the, the IMDB link to the episode if anybody's interested. But yeah, that was lifted oh, cool. from, directly from Oz. Cool. Thank but you. Uh, we think it was. We don't know, but yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, they were all they were all. We like, like to theorize. Yeah, they were all captains, and there was one crew member. You know. <laughs> That's so, nice. Uh oh, kiddo teaser from Foxfire. Cannot wait. There's kiddo! Yay! I did you see snakes. my kiddo idea I posted in the chat? I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wouldn't that be uh, fun? Kiddo hitting the garage sales. Yeah, I think Kiddo's probably going to hang out in Oz for a while longer, though. But um, They've got garage sales in Oz. They sell knickknacks. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, okay. Uh, that's up to Foxfire. Whatever she wants to do. I don't want to yeah. interfere with her I'm just throwing thing. an idea at her. I'm not telling yeah. her what to do with her life. No, you're not. Come on. No. I, no. Uh, <sighs> I did not say that. So anyway, all right. So yeah. So uh, well, we mm -hmm. gotta we gotta keep on trucking if we want to get to everything tonight. So let's do it. Here is episode fourteen, chapter fourteen. Yeah, Dorothy gets brave. Chapter fourteen of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 14. Dorothy Tries to be Brave Meantime, the chief steward had returned to the throne room, where he said to the king, You are a fool to waste so much time upon these people. What? cried his majesty, in so enraged a voice that it awoke Belina, who was asleep under his throne. How dare you call me a fool? Because I like to speak the truth, said the steward. Why didn't you enchant them all at once, instead of allowing them to go one by one into the palace, and guess which ornaments are the Queen of Eve and her children? Why, you stupid rascal, it's more fun this way, returned the king. And it serves to keep me amused for a long time. But suppose some of them happen to guess aright, persisted the steward. Then you would lose your old ornaments and these new ones too. There is no chance of their guessing all right, replied the monarch with a laugh. How could they know that the Queen of Ev and her family are all ornaments of a royal purple color? But there are no other purple ornaments in the palace, said the steward. There are so many other colors, however, and the purple ones are scattered throughout the rooms, and are of many different shapes and sizes. Take my word for it, Stuart, they will never think of choosing the purple ornaments. Belina, squatting under the throne, had listened carefully to all this talk, and now chuckled softly to herself as she heard the king disclose his secret. Still, you are acting foolishly by running the chance, continued the steward roughly. And it is still more foolish of you to transform all those people from Oz into green ornaments. I did that because they came from the Emerald City, replied the king. And I had no green ornaments in my collection until now. I think that they will look quite pretty mixed with the other colors, don't you? The steward gave an angry grunt. Huh. 
Have your own way since you are the king, he growled. But if you come to grief through your carelessness, remember that I told you so. If I wore the magic belt which enables you to work all your transformations and gives you so much other power, I am sure I would make a much wiser and better king than you are. Oh, cease your tiresome chatter, commanded the king, getting angry again. Because you are my chief steward, you have an idea you can scold me as much as you please. But the very next time you become impudent, I will send you to work in the furnaces and get another gnome to fill your place. Now follow me to my chamber, for I am going to bed, and see that I am wakened early tomorrow morning. I want to enjoy the fun of transforming the rest of these people into ornaments. What color will you make the Kansas girl? asked the steward. Gray, I think, said his majesty. And the scarecrow and the machine man? Oh, they shall be of solid gold, because they are so ugly in real life. Then the voices died away, and Billina knew that the king and his steward had left the room. She fixed up some of her tail feathers that were not straight, and then tucked her head under her wing again, and went to sleep. In the morning Dorothy and the lion and tiger were given their breakfast in their rooms, and afterward joined the king in his throne room. The tiger complained bitterly that he was half-starved, and begged to go into the palace and become an ornament, so that he would no longer suffer the pangs of hunger. "'Haven't you had your breakfast?' asked the gnome king. "'Oh, I just had a bite,' replied the beast. "'But what good is a bite to a hungry tiger?' He ate seventeen bowls of porridge, a platter full of fried sausages, eleven loaves of bread, and twenty-one mince pies, said the steward. What more do you want? demanded the king. A fat baby. I want a fat baby, said the hungry tiger. A nice, plump, juicy, tender, fat baby. But of course, if I had one, my conscience would not allow me to eat it, so I'll have to be an ornament and forget my hunger. Impossible! exclaimed the king. I'll have no clumsy beasts enter my palace to overturn and break all my pretty knick-knacks. When the rest of your friends are transformed, you can return to the upper world and go about your business. As for that, we have no business when our friends are gone, said the lion. So, we do not much care what becomes of us. Dorothy begged to be allowed to go first into the palace, but Tick-Tock firmly maintained that the slave should face danger before the mistress. The scarecrow agreed with him in that, so the gnome king opened the door for the machine man, who tramped into the palace to meet his fate. Then his majesty returned to his throne, and puffed his pipe so contentedly that a small cloud of smoke formed above his head. By and by, he said, I'm sorry there are so few of you left. Very soon now my fun will be over, and then for amusement I shall have nothing to do but admire my new ornaments. It seems to me, said Dorothy, that you are not so honest as you pretend to be. How's that? asked the king. Why, you made us think it would be easy to guess what ornaments the people of Ev were changed into. It is easy declared the monarch. If one is a good guesser, but it appears that the members of your party are all poor guessers. What is Tick-Tock doing now? asked the girl uneasily. Nothing, 
replied the king with a frown. He is standing perfectly still in the middle of a room. Oh, I expect he's run down, said Dorothy. I forgot to wind him up this morning. How many guesses has he made? All that he is allowed except one, answered the king. Suppose you go in and wind him up, and then you can stay there and make your own guesses. All right, said Dorothy. It is my turn next, declared the scarecrow. Why, you don't want to go away and leave me all alone, do you? asked the girl. Besides, if I go now, I can wind up Tick-Tock so that he can make his last guess. Very well, then, said the scarecrow with a sigh. <sighs> Run along, little Dorothy, and may good luck go with you. So Dorothy, trying to be brave in spite of her fears, passed through the doorway into the gorgeous rooms of the palace. The stillness of the place awed her at first, and the child drew short breaths and pressed her hand to her heart and looked all around with wondering eyes. Yes, it was a beautiful place, but enchantments lurked in every nook and corner, and she had not yet grown accustomed to the wizardries of these fairy countries, so different from the quiet and sensible commonplaces of her own native land. Slowly she passed through several rooms until she came upon Tick-Tock, standing motionless. It really seemed, then, that she had found a friend in this mysterious palace, so she hastened to wind up the machine man's action and speech and thoughts. "'Thank you, Dorothy,' were his first words. "'I have now one more guess to make.' "'Oh, be very careful, Tick-Tock, won't you?' cried the girl. "'Yes, but the Gnome King has us in his power, and he has set a trap for us. I fear we are all lost,' he answered. "'I fear so, too,' said Dorothy sadly. "'If Smith and Tinker had given me a guessing clockwork attachment,' continued Tick-Tock, "'I might have defied the Gnome King, but my thoughts are plain and simple, and are not of much use in this case.' "'Do the best you can,' said Dorothy encouragingly. "'And if you fail, I will watch and see what shape you are changed into.' So Tick-Tock touched a yellow glass vase that had daisies painted on one side, and he spoke at the same time the word, Ev. In a flash the machine man had disappeared, and although the girl looked quickly in every direction, she could not tell which of the many ornaments the room contained had a moment before been her faithful friend and servant. So all she could do was to accept the hopeless task set her, and make her guesses, and abide by the result. "'It can't hurt very much,' she thought, for I haven't heard any of them scream or cry out, not even the poor officers. Dear me, I wonder if Uncle Henry or Aunt Em will ever know I have become an ornament in the Gnome King's palace, and must stand forever and ever in one place and look pretty, except when I'm moved to be dusted. It isn't the way I thought it'd turn out, at all, but I suppose it can't be helped. She walked through all the rooms once more, and examined with care all the objects they contained, but there were so many they bewildered her, and she decided, after all, as Ozma had done, that it could be only guesswork at the best, and that the chances were much against her guessing aright. Timidly she touched an alabaster bowl and said, "'Ev.' "'That's one failure, anyhow,' she thought. 
But how am I to know which thing is enchanted and which is not? Next she touched the image of a purple kitten that stood on the corner of a mantel, and as she pronounced the word, Ev, the kitten disappeared, and a pretty, fair-haired boy stood beside her. At the same time a bell rang somewhere in the distance, and as Dorothy started back, partly in surprise and partly in joy, the little one exclaimed, Where am I, and who are you, and what has happened to me? Well, I declare, said Dorothy, I've really done it. Done what? asked the boy. Saved myself from being an ornament, replied the girl with a laugh. And saved you from being forever a purple kitten. A purple kitten? he repeated. There is no such thing. I know, she answered. But there was a minute ago. Don't you remember standing on a corner of the mantel? Of course not. I am a prince of Ev, and my name is Evering, the little one announced proudly. But my father, the king, sold my mother and all her children to the cruel ruler of the gnomes. And after that, I remember nothing at all. A purple kitten can't be expected to remember, Evering, said Dorothy. But now you are yourself again, and I'm going to try and save some of your brothers and sisters, and perhaps your mother as well. So come with me. She seized the child's hand and eagerly hurried here and there, trying to decide which object to choose next. The third guess was another failure, and so was the fourth and the fifth. Little Evering could not imagine what she was doing, but he trotted along beside her very willingly, for he liked the new companion he had found. Dorothy's further quest proved unsuccessful, but after her first disappointment was over, the little girl was filled with joy and thankfulness to think that after all she had been able to save one member of the royal family of Ev, and could restore the little prince to his sorrowing country. Now she might return to the terrible gnome king in safety, carrying with her the prize she had won in the person of the fair-haired boy. So she retraced her steps until she found the entrance to the palace, and as she approached, the massive doors of rock opened of their own accord, allowing both Dorothy and Evering to pass the portals and enter the throne room. End of chapter 14 Narrated by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on July 30th, 2009, in San Diego, California. San Diego! Hmm, 2009. Yeah. Purple kitten. So cute. So, Dorothy, you cracked the code, you found out it was purple, and then you didn't figure it out, Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy. You s she failed. She well, failed well, I think I think she won one, so she didn't have to. She saved herself. Yeah. She just didn't get the logic. Purple royal family. Come on. True. Yep. Color. Then of she would have figured out. Ozma green, emerald. So, it's not a very tough code to crack. It's not, but she didn't get it. So, I don't know. I feel sad. Well, but we'll find we'll out what happens next We'll wait till chapter week. 15, yeah. Yeah, we're getting to the end. We're getting to the end of the book. This, uh, this is pretty close. Really? So, okay. I think there's only about... Uh, let me see. Let me consult mm -hmm. the Magic 8 Ball. 
Uh, there are 21 chapters. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Got another seven to go. We got to figure out what the next book is after yeah. Ozma of Oz. And then, um, oh, Belina. Belina's got some action in the next episode. Yes, so. I'm excited. Everybody, I think you know, a favorite. I mean, Belina heard everything. She's awesome. But then she fell asleep. Oops. Mm. Hi. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed those two installments. Uh, this is a pretty fun book. Um, and mm. uh, I'm enjoying it. And I'm enjoying this, uh, the, the further adventures of, uh, of uh, Kiddo as well. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess uh, without further ado, uh, since we have time in this segment, uh, you ready to trot down to Wormwood Forest? That's what I want. Let's hear it. Let's I'm do hoping, it. I'm uh, hoping we get some uh, some of the uh, what, what's the tobacco worm? What's her name? Oh, good question. Uh, Tallulah. I'm not sure. Tallulah the tobacco. It is. Worm. It's Tallulah, like the actress. Yeah. yeah. Tallulah <laughs> Bankhead or whatever. So, uh, Tallulah Bancroft. I don't. Know. Not sure what the last name. Tallulah. I know I have a uh, Tallulah Bankhead. Bankhead is the okay. actress. That's what they're making fun of. Oh, or, okay. You know, I'm thinking of Anne doing... Bancroft. Anyway, yeah. Wormwood Forest. Uh, I believe this is the fifth or sixth installment, something like that. I'll f- uh, here, nice. let me let me find out. Um, uh, do 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 do. Uh, where is it? Wormwood Forest. There it is. This one is uh the. One, two, three, four, five, sixth episode. There we go. Um, so here we go. Wormwood Forest bound. Oh boy, another day in Wormwood Forest. Hello, boys and girls. Again, it's time for another visit with our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away. Listen a while, you'll want to stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello, everybody. This is Dippy Dwarf. Today, Frankie Frog tries to get a special valentine for his pretty kitty. So don't leave your radio. Listen to our animal show. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Valentine's for sale. Valentine's for sale. Got your fresh valentine's here. Hey, good day, General Grasshopper. Hi, Dippy Boy. Like to buy some Valentines? Ooh, I might get one for my secretary, Tallulah Tobacco Worm. These are rare imported Valentines, Short Dwarf. Went all the way to Cocklebur Corners for them. You don't say. Yep. We're made by a chicken named Clementine. Her slogan is, if you want a Valentine, come to Clementine. So it did. Well, I'll take this Valentine here. Uh, how much, Gerald? Well, that was usually 39 cents. But since you're such a good friend, Dippy... Yes? I'll let you have it for 45. Oh, that's mighty nice of you, Grasshopper. Fine. And if you'll see Frankie Frog the hotel, send him out, Dippy. You sure will, Grasshopper. I'll wait out here. Uh-oh. There's my secretary. Mm, I'd better hide this valentine under my beard. Mm, there, there. Oh, hello, Tallulah Tobacco Worm. Hello, Dippy. Did I see you hide something under your beard? Hide? Under my beard? No, Tallulah. But I'm sure. Oh, it was only a letter. Only a letter. 
You're acting so strangely, Dwarf. <laughs> oh, it's only because I saw you, tobacco worm. Hmm. Well, I am wearing a new tobacco leaf. It has the new Latakia look. Like it? Oh, very fetching. <laughs> but I've got a fine Frankie Frog. Have you seen him? Yes, he just went upstairs to Kitty's room. And I'll call him. Oh, Frankie Frog! Frankie! Frankie Frog! Do you hear anything, Kitty Baby? Well, I hear Dippy calling you, Dream Frog. Calling me Dream Frog? I didn't know he cared. <laughs> Silly Frog. Sit here on the bench beside me. Yeah, but your whiskers tickle my ears. Frogs haven't any ears. Yeah, so they haven't. But your whiskers tickle just the same. Don't be ridiculous. Sing to me, Frankie. Hmm, don't mind if I do. Put your arms around me, kitty. Hold me tight. Oh. Huddle up and cuddle up with all your might. Oh, oh, when you roll those eyes, eyes that I just idolize. When you look at me, my heart begins to fold. And then it starts to rockin' like a motorboat. Oh, oh, I never knew any cat like you. I really mean it. Cat like you. When you sing to me, I feel weak in my furry knees. Oh, Frankie Frog! Come down here at once! Yeah, there's Dippy calling me again. We'll never have a moment of quiet until you see what he wants. Well, I'll be right back, Kittigans. I'm coming, Dippy. Well, hurry, Frog! Okay, I'll slide in the banisters. Well, here I come. Go, 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 go. Oh, 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 my poor frog back. Oh, oh. Hey, what's oh, the matter? Oh, Forget to lower your landing oh. gear? <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. What if I'd sprained my sacrosiliac or something? Oh, never mind what might have been, frog. Think of day after tomorrow. Yeah, day after tomorrow? That, that's Monday. That's not all. It's St. Valentine's Day. You don't say. Yes. Do you have a valentine for Kitty? Uh, not yet. Well, then, this is your big opportunity, Frog. Hop right outside. Oh, why? You'll see. Valentine's for sale. Oh, hi, Frankie boy. Hiya, gentle grasshopper. Oh, so this is what Dippy Dwarf meant. See, that's a fancy valentine over there, Gerald. That's a daddy, Frog. Daddy, Frog. <laughs> that valentine is sort of accommodation. Yeah, just what do you mean? Well, it's one that I worked out in collaboration with Strauss the Mouse. Yeah, but he writes music. Open up the valentine, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, okay. Hey, there's a blank music sheet in here. The lines, but no music. Well, that's where Strauss comes in. You buy the valentine, take it over to the Mouse's music studio, he'll compose a song for your sweetheart. For a small cost, of course. Oh, of course. Like it? Yeah, I think it's nifty. Uh, how much is it? Three dollars. Yeah, uh, three dollars. And cheap at the price, boy. Look at those feather-painted cupids. Feather-painted? Yep. Clementine chicken painted them with the very own feathers. Note the quality of the paper lace. Right. I just have to have to have to have that valentine. Yours for three dollars. Oh, gee, where can I get three dollars? Well, I'll be around if you can scrape that about together, frog. <laughs> Oh, pardon me. I see a potential customer across the way. Fresh valentine for you, Partridge. Gee, three dollars. I can't borrow from Dippy. Already owing two months' room rent. 
Hey, I bet Susie Skunk would let me have the money. I'll just hop over to her place, the old Badger residence. Badger residence. Certainly hope Susie will lend me three dollars. That Valentine is a dream. Kitty will sure love it. If you're working your way through music school by selling tuning forks, I don't... Oh, hello, Frankie Fry. Uh, hiya, Susie Skunk. Do come in. My doormat usually says welcome, but my last guest evidently had muddy feet. Uh, Susie, I've come to you on a matter of gravest importance. Well, can it wait just a moment, Frankie? One of my favorite radio programs is on now. Uh, Sadie Snake Girl Reptile? No, not now. I'm listening to Oleander Salamander, crawling poet and philosopher. Come on over by the radio, Frankie. Quiet now. The salamander's getting ready to be poetic. Hello, friends and admirers. I'm now going to recite my newest six-line quatrain. Oh, lovely Queen Anne's lace, growing wild most any place. Your delicate umbrellas white are to me shades of delight. Oh, petals fine, oh, blossoms divine, oh, stems. And now, until next time, this is your crawling poet and philosopher, Oleander Salamander, saying, remember... Music Applebird. Oh, that was so inspiring. I'll turn it off. There. Hey, Susie, I'll come right out and tell you what I need. Three dollars. Three dollars? Gracious, what are you going to do, Frankie? Buy a platinum mustache cup? Hey, nope. I want to buy a valentine for Kitty. Why is it so expensive? Well, you see, it's a very unusual valentine. The place inside for an original song by Strauss the Mouse. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> uh, did you have three dollars I could borrow? Well, let me look in my purse, Frankie. Now, where did I put it? Uh, under the scatter rug, perhaps? No, not this time. Oh, I remember. I put it in with a fruitcake. Your purse in with a fruitcake? Uh-huh. Someone said it looked out of date. Oh, here it is. <laughs> uh, three dollars, please. Now, let me see. My antique celluloid brooch. A jar of prickly pear pickles, some dental floss, a toothpick, a toothbrush. Uh, no toothpaste? Oh, yes, here's a tube. Oh, it's all squashed. Some salad forks, a raw potato, a bandsaw. A bandsaw? For very small bands. A reversible waffle. Well, I'm sorry, Frankie, but I don't see any money. Mm, gee, Gulligan's. Oh, well, thanks just the same, Susie. I'll show you to the door. It was nice of you to offer your money, Sue. Even if you... Hey, there's a car coming up. Oh, it's them took my old Chucky. Hello, Chucky. Hi, don't you easy, Susie. Hi, Bob. Hiya, Woodchuck. Where are you going? Well, I'm taking my sweetie for a ride. Down by the brook. Oh, boy. Then you can drop me off at the mouse's music studio. Fine. I'm always glad to drop off a frog. Anywhere. I'm ready in my bonnet and fascinated them, Clucky. Oh, good. And then you can come, Susie Skunk, in my old pile of junk, and away we'll go. Away we'll go. <laughs> Are you in, sweetie? 
Yes, thank you, Chucky, dear. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, too. Well, please tell me where you want to stop, Frog. I certainly don't want to forget to put you out. Uh, you can stop here with Chuck. Very well. Whoa, little old car. Whoa, doggone it. Yeah, 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 I'll help out. Uh, thanks a lot, Chuck. Goodbye, Sue. Bye, Frankie. Yeah, the music studio of Stouse the Mouse. Yeah. Hey, come on, Mouse. Open up the door. Hey, greetings, Frog. Uh, hiya, Strauss the Mouse. Busy? Hmm? Are you? Hmm? Hmm? Are you? Hmm? Hmm? Never too busy to greet a musically inclined frog. Won't you step into me studio, the music? Yeah, thanks. Likewise. Uh, Strauss, I want an original song to put in the valentine. Frog, I got just a song. They ain't even dry on the manuscript yet. Yeah, how does it go? Try on these lyricals for size, Frankie. Okay. <clears throat> Boy, I'm in good voice today. Yeah. I'll see if my grandbaby piano's in tone. <laughs> Perfect. This can't be love because I feel so well No sobs, no sorrows, no sighs This can't be love because I feel so well But still I love to look in your Love to look in your Love to look in your eyes Hey, Mouse, it's perfect. I'll take this song. No, no, you won't. Kitty baby, what are you doing here? I came here to get a song composed for a valentine for you, Frankie. But, but I came here to get one for yours, Kitty. Well, I kept quiet just as long as I could. He promised me that song you just sang, and then he said you could have it. Well, Kitty, I, I didn't know. That mouse knows. Where is he? Please, Kitty, don't be mad. I didn't mean no harm. Honest to my side. Round, where's that music? Uh, you mean this song? Yes, I'll fix it. Round. Hey, hey, Kitty, you're tearing up the mouse's song. Hey, hey, Kitty, me new hit song. You're lucky I'm not tearing you up, mouse. Round, come on, frog, we're leaving. Uh, we are? Now, round, green frog. Oh, Kitty, I'm sorry. This means neither one of us will get a musical valentine. What do I care about musical valentines when I have you, Frog? Hey, do you mean it, Kitty? Of course. We can make beautiful music together. <laughs> oh, gee willikers, Kitty. I'm glad you're not mad. Mm, Ralph, sit here with me, Frankie, and we'll forget about everyone else. <laughs> Just the two of us, all alone. I beg your pardon, Timothy, Timothy Turtle. Kind of turtles sleep anywhere without being used for a sight? And just when we wanted to be alone. Well, don't you two know that you can never be alone as long as you're sweetheart? How's that, Tim? No matter where you two go, Cupid will always be along. <laughs> <laughs> Love comes to Wormwood Forest in time for St. Valentine's Day, but we'll bet there'll be more comic valentines than any other kind for our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, that's all today. We're so glad that you could stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Oh, dumb dog, bite for Chucky. What is it, sweetie, Next week, Barbecue Pig is going to the ballet with Swimmercule Fox. My, how nice. Will you take me to the ballet? Yes, if you really want to go, but it's for me, huh? I just don't care for the ballet. You don't? No. I think it's ridiculous. Ha! Huh? A fish toe dancing. Ha! Huh? 
What's ridiculous about a fish toe dancing? Fish don't have any toes. <laughs> Remember next Saturday, listen to our animal play. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Wormwood Forest, written by Tom Titchener, has come to you from WSM in Nashville, Tennessee. That is one temperamental cat. What, what cat? She shredded the music. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a did. nice little song. She got angry. She's she's got a temper, and you know everybody in Wormwood Forest has their little shtick, and uh, Kitty's got a temper. Uh, yeah, but I do like the idea of throwing a slice of cheese at Tennessee's head to see if that happens. Oh my him. god, that's so cute. Can you not stop watching that thing? <laughs> I can't. And it, it almost looks like it's CGI. That cat's body mashes down so, such a weird weird way. <laughs> so. You know, and I just, you know how I found that? I just looked up victory. I just wanted something that said, that said victory. There you go. Uh, so. Good. You never know what you're going to find when you're looking at um, memes, right? You never know. It's, it's funny. It's fun. And it's I believe fun that's thing. Tim Heidecker is Cupid. I can't tell if it's him or not. So. Oh, that picture? Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure. It's disturbing regardless. Yeah, it is. So. Uh, yeah, all... that was a good Wormwood yeah. Forest. That was, that was fun. fun. It's cute. Yeah. Cute. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, I think it's it's time for us to go to the break, uh, so we have plenty of time mm-hmm. for Jerry of the Circus, and let's pretend, uh, well, let's pretend then Jerry of the Circus. So you got it. The juniper tree uh, tonight for everybody. So uh, excited gonna, about that. We're gonna play that from Let's Pretend, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll throw some cereal commercials at you for a break. Everybody, go get a snack, get a bowl of cereal, get a soda, get an adult beverage, whatever you like. And I think maybe we might have a kiddo drop after the break too. Yeah, that's I'm excited about the kiddo drop. All right. Let's let's do it. Always a surprise. Always just wow. What what how that happen? Neat. You know? You never know what you're going to get. Come to the Honeycomb hideout. I'm Mr. Big and I'm tired of small cereals. Give me something with a big big bite. Honeycomb Nutritious breakfast for post honeycomb gives you a big bite. Big big bite. It tastes right. Honeycomb bite. It tastes right. You like my coat? It's made of golden sugar. Mmm. Tastes like the golden sugar coating on the super sugar crisp. Hey boss, look. Yeah, a golden bear. Hold on, this is a golden sugar coat. Mmm. It's just like my cereal's golden sugar coating. Mm-mm. Golden sugar coating makes my cereal sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. And post super sugar crisp cereals part of a balanced breakfast. I love your cereals golden sugar coating. That's why they call me Sugar Bear. Maybe you're sort of tired of eating the same old thing day after day. Maybe you'd like to try something different, something delicious, something with a marvelous flavor that just knocks the spots off any other cereal you've ever tried. Now, if that's the case, why don't you ask your mother to let you have a big bowl of crackly? crunchy, golden brown Wheaties Flakes tomorrow morning. 
Ask your mother to let you have a cereal you'll really like the taste of. Ask her for the big, husky cereal for wide-awake fellows and girls who not only star things, but who see them through. Your mother will be mighty glad to let you have Wheaties, too. For most any fellow's or girl's mother wants to see them eat a big bowl of a nourishing whole wheat cereal every morning. And your mother probably knows, too, that authorities now recognize that Wheaties supply the very same amount of heat-producing units you need to help keep your body warm these cold winter days as a cooked cereal does. So you can be sure she'll be glad to let you have all the Wheaties you want to eat this winter if you ask her for them. Remind your mother to always look for the famous seal of acceptance of the Committee on Foods of the American Medical Association whenever she buys Wheaties. That seal means much to her. It tells her that Wheaties are a pure product honestly advertised. And another thing, remind your mother that lots of grocers are featuring Wheaties and bananas now. Ask her to get some of each next time she goes to the store. Try that delicious breakfast combination tomorrow morning. You'll say it's swell. Fried Wheaties, they're whole wheat with all of the brands. Won't you try Wheaties, for wheat is the best food of man. They're crispy, they're crunchy the whole year through. Jack Hampton never tires of them and neither will you. So just buy Wheaties, the best breakfast food in the land. Snap. What a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound I've found. Only clap, rap. Hulk Hogan doesn't eat nuts and honey. Take this. An unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast. That's better than a body slam. Undefeated. And still champion. It's a honey It's honey nut Cheerios.
break was a little shorter than I thought. Welcome back to Time for Go to Bed. Uh, I think Susan probably thought the break was a little uh, longer than it was, too. So, Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Uh, Looking forward to uh, this uh, episode of Let's Pretend the Juniper Tree. Sounds interesting. Unsure if it is a cream wheat or off of a vinyl album. I think it's off a record, actually. Because I listened to the first bit of it. Oh, kiddo has dropped. Ah, Belina enjoys the company of someone who finally appreciates her eggs. <laughs> and the Gnome King gets an egging from Kiddo with some help from Belina. Very nice. Yes. And that's what happens. Next chapter. They egg him. Spoiler. Very cool. Yeah. So. Because... Uh, the um the gnome king lives underground, and he's vulnerable to eggs. Don't get a lot of eggs underground, huh? No, apparently not. I guess snakes might. No, snakes would lay their eggs above ground. No, they they they. No, they they lay their eggs uh, under rocks and then snake. Really? And stuff. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great picture, though. That is just so much fun. Gosh darn it. It really is. It's going to be a treat. Yeah. It's going to be a treat to color. So. It's great stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, here we go. Uh, if we want to stay on schedule, we should probably jump into Let's Pretend the Juniper Tree. Uh, Let's do it. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Let's Pretend story of the Juniper Tree. Come, Hello, pretenders. Hello, Uncle Ted. We have a surprise for you, Uncle Ted. Wonderful. What is it, Emily? Well, we thought it would be nice if you said how we travel to Let's Pretend. Well, it'll be my pleasure. You know, our story, The Juniper Tree, has a metal talking bird in it. So I think it would be nice to travel to Let's Pretend on a bird. What kind of bird, Uncle Ted? Well, Emily, see if any one of you can guess. It's the biggest of all birds, and it doesn't fly but is one of the fastest runners in the animal kingdom. Any guesses? Is it a pigeon? A pigeon, it? A pigeon flies. <laughs> no, it's an ostrich. And I think if Jan will be so kind as to take care of the magic, we'll be on our way. A swift-footed ostrich for each one of us. One, two, three. <laughs> Mount up, everyone. Hang on tightly to the reins. Let's go! Hey, hey, this is 
upon a time, in a nearby land, a lonely and trusting father decided to marry for the second time. To his son Russell, he brings his new wife Melissa and her pretty daughter Marlene. As our story begins, the happy children are playing in the living room of their home. <laughs> oh, Russell! Oh, Russell, let's rest a minute. I can't get my breath. Oh, come on. One more turn. Race you out to the gate and back. You both better sit down and rest. Look at Marlene's face. Her cheeks are blood red and her skin is white as snow. That's one reason why I love my pretty new sister. <laughs> well, Melisande, with our two children so happy, we should be glad the second marriage for both of us turned out so well. I'm not so sure it has. Why, Melisande? Why do you say that? Well, because you haven't treated Marlene fairly. Russell always comes first. You ought to be fair to your stepdaughter. But Melisande, he is the eldest. I've told you that I must see to his education first. There's plenty of time for Marlene. Suppose both you children go out and continue your game. I want to talk to your father. Fine. Come on, Marlene. Now we can have that race. All right. I'm all rested now. Well, Melisande... What's troubling you? What's troubling me? What have I been saying for the last half hour? Oh, you mean about Marlene and Russell sharing equally? Exactly. I'm only asking for my rights. Now, come, Melisande. There's no question of rights when two people love each other. I might have known you would have favored Russell. Well, I'll leave you until you're in a better mood. And I'll bring fresh strawberries for supper when I come home. I know you'll like that. Goodbye. Come on, Father. Sit with us under the juniper tree. Some other time, son. I must marketplace. Goodbye. Goodbye, Marlene. Goodbye, Father. Russell, I love your father almost as much as I love you. And that's saying a lot. And he loves you, too. I wish your mother liked me better. Russell. Oh, Marlene, listen. What is it? I hear nothing but the rustling of the leaves. But you will if you listen more closely. That's why I love the juniper tree. What will I hear, Russell? The voice of my own mother. You frighten me. What can you mean? Russell! Don't be frightened, sister. She's our friend. Didn't you hear her call me just then? No. I, I don't know. Tell me more about it so I can hear her too. Well, I wanted to for a long time, but... I haven't had a real chance till now. You see, my mother sleeps here, just where the shade's the softest. She named me Russell because it sounded as if the tree spoke to her of my coming. And when the wind blows, I can... Marlene! Marlene! Please, Mother, come here. I want you to help me. Come along. All right, Mother. I'll be back as soon as I can, Russell, and you can finish what you started to tell me. Yes, little mother, I hear you. There is danger. Danger? For whom, little mother? For whom? For you, my son. I've put them away in that large chest. 
The lid's too heavy. I don't think I can lift it by myself. Oh, try, Mother. I'll help. Russell will reach in the minute the lid is high enough. It won't take a second. No, Russell. No. Oh, very well, then. I'll try. Help me, Russell. Reach in quickly, Russell. There's yours. And here's mine. Dropped the lid on him. Oh, Mother, I'll help. Lift it quickly. Uh, I can't. Oh, try. Uh, Russell. Oh, oh, there. Oh, Mother. He, he, you've killed him, Mother. Don't dare to say that. Could I help it if the lid fell? Oh, oh what shall we do? What shall we do? Stop crying and the same thing will happen to you. Do you hear? Oh, yes, Mother. You must promise me that you will never, never tell what you've just seen. Promise me a threat of your own life. I, I promise. Now then, we shall have to work quickly. We'll put him under the juniper tree where he likes to be. And then you leave the rest entirely to me. Do you hear? Yes, Mother. Very well. Help me now. Come along. Be careful, Mother. Carry him gently. Don't worry about that. There. I will go back to the house. Come on. Well, let me stay here just a moment, Mother. Then I'll come in. Oh, all right, but don't stay long. And remember, not a word. Russell, my brother, what can I do? How can I live without you? Oh, Juniper Tree, how softly you sigh. Are you sorry for my poor little brother and me? Yes, yes. What is that? Did I hear a voice? Fear not, there is hope. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I hear. Go on. Watch when the wind blows. What do you see? A blue and red mist is rising around the tree. Yes. What else? Now it's fire. And now, oh, look. A bird. A beautiful blue and pink bird. Oh, how beautiful. Where did it come from? Who knows but the juniper tree? Fear not. Everything will be all right soon. Oh, thank you, whoever, whatever you are. Thank you. Listen. Sing your message, little girl. What a beautiful bird am I. What a beautiful bird am I. Hello, little Marlene. What are you doing under the juniper tree? Why, nothing, Father. I, I was just resting. How pale you are, Marlene. And let me look at you. You've been crying. Why are your eyes all swollen and red? 
What's troubling you, little daughter? Uh, I, I'm just lonely, that's all. Sitting here seems to comfort me. Lonely? Oh, well then, where's that brother of yours? Get him to join you in a game. Russell! Uh, don't, don't. What is the matter with you? <laughs> Melisande? Melisande? Yes, husband? What's wrong here? I found Marlene crying and lonely. Where's Russell? He, uh, we, uh, why, he went to the country for a visit. A visit? With whom? Uh, my great uncle. He came by today and Russell decided he'd like to spend a few weeks in the country. So I told him he could go. And he left without waiting to say goodbye to me? Well, my uncle couldn't wait. Uh, Marlene, go into the house and set the table for supper. Yes, Mother. You are pale, too, and nervous. What is this unpleasant feeling I have? Russell! 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 Listen, did you hear something? Oh, don't look like that. Of course I didn't hear anything. It was only the wind. I hear someone calling Russell. The voice was strangely familiar, too. Oh, nonsense. Come in and have your supper. Very well, but I don't like this. Please, Melisant, never permit Russell to go away again without asking my permission. Do you promise me that? Yes. Yes, I promise. I'll never let him go away again. Come here quickly. What is all the excitement, cobbler? Oh, there. Look, Thelma. Oh. It's a bird. Why, I never saw one like it. No, I. What beautiful plumage. Look, Goldsmith. It's blue and crimson and gold. Oh, it's the strangest bird I ever saw. Why, it has a face almost like a human. Listen. The bird is singing. My mother killed her little son. My father grieved when I was gone. Real words he's singing. Oh, oh, look, he's flying away. Headed in the direction of the old mill. Come on, follow him. Look, everybody's following him. Come on, cobbler, come, Miss Thelma. Let's go, too. My goodness, the village hasn't had so much excitement in years. There he is, right on the tree by the mill wheel. I can't see him. Oh, yes, there he is. Hey, Miller. Uh, Yes? Oh, good day to you, cobbler. I guess you haven't noticed your visitor, Millerman. No. Oh, Oh, you mean all those people running down the road? (laughs) They're coming to see me, cobbler. No, Miller, they've come to see the visitor, too. Well, I am honored. Uh, Who is my distinguished guest? Look in the tree by the mill wheel. Uh, I don't see a soul. Never mind looking for a human being. Tis a bird, we mean, that's calling on you. A bird? Oh, well, then I have many bird callers, but I still keep on shaping the stones for the mill. Listen, he speaks. 
What will you give me, Miller, to hear my song? What have I that you want, my fine bird? The millstone you have just shaped. The millstone? <laughs> Whatever would you want with that? Will you give it to me? Why, for your song. Here it is. Sing, beautiful bird. Sing your sad little song. Yes, sing. Quiet, everyone, quiet. My mother killed her little son. My father grieved when I was gone. Never heard anything like it. No, it's a remarkable song. Yes, yes. Yes. My sister loved me best of three. Her eyes were filled with tears for me. It makes me cry. Hmm, wonder if there's anything to this uh, strange song. She placed my body tenderly neath the juniper tree. What a beautiful bird am I. Look, he's taken the millstone and flown back to the village. It's nothing but enchantment. <gasps> Think of it, a bird able to pick up a millstone. Yes. Something tells me we haven't heard the last of that little kiwit. By golly, I agree with you. There's something going on here that's pretty queer, I'd say. I think you're right. Goldsmith, let's follow him and see what he does. Yes, 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 like that, Marlene. What's the matter, daughter? Oh, look at this beautiful bird on the juniper tree. Oh, for heaven's sakes, all this noise about a bird. Yes, I know, but but you see, Mother... I see nothing. I wish you wouldn't shriek so. You know my nerves are all on edge. Always your nerves. Whatever has come over you, Millicent, you act like some guilty hunted creature. What's wrong with you? Oh, nothing. I'm... I'm all right. Your conscience, Millicent... Your conscience. What a beautiful bird am I. Listen, Father, listen. What's this? The bird speaks. Millicent, Marlene, do you hear that? killed her little son. What do I hear? My father grieved when I was gone. Oh, little bird, don't. My sister loved me best of three. Her eyes were filled with tears for me. Oh, oh, oh my brother. My poor dear little brother. Stop that song. Stop it, I say. Go on, little bird. I want to hear the rest of that song. She placed my body tenderly neath the juniper tree. What a beautiful bird am I. Oh, oh Russell, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now look, he's upset, Marlene. I won't have that. I'll teach a silly bird to make you cry, Marlene. Wait till I reach him. Stupid bird! Uh, oh, oh. My mother killed her little son, Marlene. What does this mean? Answer me! Oh, I dare not. Don't ask me. I dare not tell. Oh, Father, look. See the mist rising from the bee. Now it's changing to red. Just like that day at the juniper tree when we buried... Oh. Russell! My son! My son! How did you get here? Oh, Russell! Father, and my dear little sister. Russell, what happened to you? Where have you been? Under the spell of the wicked witch, my father. A witch? Where? Who is she? You mean, who was she? She is there, lying on the ground at your feet, dead. And once more, I am restored to you and my little sister, Marlene. Oh, my son. I didn't know. I didn't know. Of course you didn't. Listen, father. Listen. Do you hear, Father? It's my mother. Forever and ever, happiness, Russell, My goodness that was pretty twisted it was but dad just didn't get it like the bird only had to sing to him three times i'm dead i was murdered and dad's just like oh that's a pretty song what is going on here like when a bird sings to you with lyrics don't you listen yeah that's no funny. nobody no. didn't even listen it's like, it's like me i never times. pay attention to lyrics Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Your son's been murdered. Oh, no, he's just visiting. That's what they always say. That's what the murderer always says. Oh, that child is visiting a relative in another city. My gosh. Yeah, just on a whim. And thank you again, Foxfire, for the great art. That was a real breeze and yeah. a treat, treat to color. I decided, I know it's, you know, the Gnome King's underground and stuff, but... I was like, I wanted a bright background, so I used the pinks uh, for the background. Fine. So. Gorgeous. Uh, I love it. I yeah. love it. I literally just think it's so much fun. Yeah. Belina yeah. and Kiddo. What what a what a team. Yeah. What a team. Well, you know, to be My fair, gosh. Kiddo teams well with, with just about uh, all the Oz characters. Um, I mean, Ed, anybody would love to be on a team with Kiddo. Yeah. Egging people... Just crossing the breaking Potomac, them out of prison. Potomac, breaking out of prison. My gosh, just anything. It's Tossing awesome. wheelers into the ocean. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I forget all the great adventures. I, we we should do a. One day I'll I'll get all the show art together for time for go to bed. Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry. Actually, I, I I was up super late last night and got up pretty early this morning. Oh. So. I I, I have gone. um 
seen uh, a way that you can have it print on demand through the internet mm -hmm. um, uh, for a coloring book with pictures like that. So I'm going to look into that and, and figure out how to do it because I just want to make a book for me so I can color it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, you can also make notebooks and stuff like that. But yeah. That's so great. All these pictures are so awesome. It just blows my mind. I feel you know? lucky that like, I get to I feel lucky that I get to color every episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good for you. It's good for your brain. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, um we are limited on time and we have two episodes mm -hmm. of Jerry of the Circus. And, Gotta know what's up with Jerry. Well, Jerry got out of prison last week. He got bailed out. Uh, the $22 was paid. <laughs> the $22, and they made the bus. They made the train. And Rags Rags got uh, started training, uh, mm -hmm. of course. Yep. And now, I wonder what kind of shenan shenanigans will happen at the circus this week. And Any my apologies. And my apologies. I did not have time to trim the music off these episodes tonight, so... You're going to have to listen to, like, <laughs> 19 minutes of circus music. No, I'm kidding. Well, but, you know, I think um, we should talk over it at well, the end. That's my sure. plan. Sure, I'll, I'm I'll doing lower it. the volume at the end so you can talk over it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Jerry of the Circus. Jerry of the Circus. Well, sure you're warm enough, Jerry? Sure I am. It's nice and warm here in the sun. Jerry, how do you like your new job? Watering horses? Oh, all right. Well, you know, there's lots of opportunities around the circus. If you just keep your eyes and ears open, you may work yourself into a really good job. Uh-huh. Oh, say, Bumps. Mm, yeah? Do you often have thieves and robbers around a circus? Well, why? Well, it's a funny thing. When I went into the horse tent this morning, Whitey was awful upset. What about? Well, for the past few days, he's been missing a bale or two of alfalfa every time he goes to feed the Arabians. Hmm, well, that's strange. I don't see how anybody could carry a bale of alfalfa away without being noticed. Do you? And he says it's happened a lot lately, too. <laughs> well, sounds like a good mystery. 
I think I'll try and find out what it's all about. Well, good for you. It's certainly worth keeping your eyes open anyhow, Jerry. Now, Whitey would sure be grateful. I like him a lot. Yeah, Whitey's all right. You know, there's an awful lot of nice people in this circus. Jason and Patsy and, and of course, you and Mr. Randall. You know, I like Decker, too. I think he's swell, beard and all. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a nice fella. Um, I, I wonder why he wears that beard. Oh, probably thinks it'll help the act. What do you mean? Well, when he's standing there waiting for Lorenz to throw all those knives at him, he may think he just looks more mysterious or dignified or something. Or if he gets scared, maybe he thinks the beard will cover his face so it won't show. <laughs> well, you may be right, Jerry. And instead of putting on a false beard every day, he just decided to grow his own. Exactly. You know, I think it makes him look a whole lot older than he really is. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. He's nice to Rags, too. Oh, that's probably the real reason you like him. And Rags likes him, too. Oh, say, speaking of Rags, I forgot to tell you, I talked with Mr. Randall about your dog working in my act. And just like I told you, he promised to pay you. Really, Bumps? Pay me for letting Rags work with you? Yeah, and then, of course, there's your salary as a water boy, too. <laughs> You're getting to be a regular businessman. Golly, isn't that swell? I guess you'd better see uh, Jim Bennett the first chance you get and be sure your name's on the payroll. Who's Jim Bennett? Uh, he's paymaster and bookkeeper of the circus. Uh, you'll find him in the office wagon. Oh, I know. He's the man I talked to when I was trying to find Mr. Randall that first day to give him Dad's note. Mm, now, let's see. Oh, why, today's payday. He should be coming back from town with the payroll money pretty soon. Now, now as soon as your shirt's dry, you better take a run over there and be sure your name's on the books. You bet I will. Gee, getting paid for letting your dog learn tricks. That's something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boys, let's tighten this one now. Got a little sag up there. Okay. Well, here comes Jim. Must be about noon. Yeah, he's regular as clockwork with that payroll. Yeah, he better be. Hi, Jim. Looks like payday is with us again. Hi, boys. Yep, you're right after lunch. Guess you won't need a formal invitation. Yeah, an empty pocket. <laughs> hmm. Funny. It's unlocked. You in there, Mr. Randall? Oh. So, it worked just like I planned. You didn't see who hit you on the head, huh, Bennett? You sleep now, and the birdies are singing. <laughs> Bolt that door from the inside. Okay, Decker. Is the coast clear? No one saw us, or Bennett either. Not a soul around except those stakers tightening up those ropes. What? They're on the other side of the tent. They didn't see a thing. Good. You see, it was easy. Quick now. Tie him up and hurry before he comes to. Help me with this blindfold. Why? So he won't recognize us if he comes to. <laughs> think I'm a fool? You certainly think of everything. Here, get that uh, money in your pockets. Here, I'll take those fifties. Now the gun. I'll throw it here on the floor. See? First I wipe off the fingerprints. Have we got to plant this one, Jason? Of course. What do I care who takes the blame as long as we don't? Uh, we'll just go on as if nothing has happened. Stay with the show for a while. Then when we are sure no one suspects us, we can quit. <laughs> <laughs> 
But why can't we quit now? We'll have them know we've run away. Why, they'd have the police out after us and every train watched. Lorenz. Quiet, fool. Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett. It's Jerry. Quiet. He'll go away. Mr. Bennett. Well, Rags, guess he isn't here yet. Want to take a walk? <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. Hello, Spike. Where are you going? Just walking around waiting for Mr. Bennett. Yeah, he's in the office wagon. Oh, but I... Sure, he was headed there a few minutes ago. I saw him. Oh, well, thanks. Okay, son. Bye. Gee, that's funny. Come on, Rags. We'd better see Bumps. <laughs> you right. Here he comes now, and talking to Mr. Randall, too. Well, hello there, Jerry. Well, you through so soon? No, I... Uh, hello, Mr. Randall. Hello, Jerry. I uh, just sent Jerry over to see Jim Bennett to check about getting his name on the payroll. Oh, good. Did you get it straightened out, Jerry? No, he, he wasn't there. Huh? He, he wasn't in the office wagon? Uh-uh. I knocked a couple of times. Well, that's funny, Sam. He's usually there paydays at this time. Mm-hmm. One of the stakers said he was headed for the office wagon just a little while ago. But he didn't answer when I knocked, and and the door was locked. Mm, that's funny. Well, maybe he just stepped out for a minute, Sam. Huh? Uh, he's never done that before. Usually stays right in his wagon till everybody's paid off. I can't understand him going off and leaving that money in the wagon. I even called his name a couple of times, Mr. Randall. Mm. I better go over there and see what it's all about. Want to come along, Jerry? Sure. Come, Bumps. No, no. I got to check with Joe about a prop he's fixing for me. Uh, see you later, Bumps. Yeah, all right. Bye, Sam. Well, Jerry, Bumps tells me you and Whitey are getting along fine. We sure are, Mr. Randall. That's fine, son. (laughs) And you're getting along all right with the work, too? Oh, sure. I I like horses. Mm. Uh, You think you might uh, turn into a trick rider someday? Well, I don't know. I don't know whether I'd like to be a wild animal trainer or an aerialist or a (laughs) trick rider. Or, or, gee, I'd even like to be a clown like Bumps. (laughs) Yeah. Eh, you do like the circus, don't you, Jerry? Golly, I sure do, Mr. Randall. Mm. Well, here we are. Let's see if Bennett's here now. Oh, that's funny. The door isn't locked. Oh. Jim! Jim! Gee, he's hurt his... He's hurt. Gee, Rags, get away from there. Come here. Oh, quick, yeah. quick, Jerry, help me untie him here. Golly, look at that bump on his head. Uh, get some water in that cooler over there, Jerry. Yes, sir. Jim. Jim, old boy. This looks bad. Wait a minute. The pay money. It's gone. Here's the bag he carries it in empty. Hey, here's some water, Mr. Randall. Ah, good. Let's put some on his head here. Ah, that's good. It's coming around now. Jim. Jim, it's Randall. Oh, oh my head. Ah, here, Jim. Drink this water. Take it easy. That's it. He'll be all right in a minute now. Gee, gee, boss. Uh, oh. oh, wait a minute. Golly, what a blow. Uh, what happened? Uh, I came up the stairs. I noticed the latch was off the door, so I... Well, I figured you were in there. I opened the door, then... Oh! Uh, take it easy, Jim. Uh, where's the payroll? It's gone. Every bit of it. All but the bag. No. Oh, what a break. Mr. Randall, yeah? here's a gun on the floor. Oh, uh, don't touch it, Jerry. Why not? Uh, it might have fingerprints on it. Here, I'll use my handkerchief. Mm. Huh. Jim, it looks like Jason's missing gun. What? Jason's gun? Yeah, looks like it. Forty-five caliber automatic. Huh. Uh, number 
873961. That might be the number. Sounds familiar. You, you don't think Jason did this, do you, Mr. Randall? Well, that's right, Mr. Randall. Jason lost one of his guns, remember? You told me about it yourself. Yeah, I know. Well, probably the guy who took it planted this on purpose to throw suspicion away from him. Yeah, and it's also possible that uh, Jason reported his gun missing to divert suspicion. Oh, but Mr. Randall, Jason wouldn't do anything crooked. When you've lived as many years as I have, Jerry, you won't judge people by appearances. A man may seem like a straight shooter, and yet underneath... Look here, boss. Part of this gun handle is broken off. Oh, yeah. Probably broke off when the gun hit the floor. Maybe the piece is lying around here somewhere. Golly, a pretty big piece broke off, huh? I don't see it around any place. Uh, you better get to a doctor and have him look you over, Jim. I'm going to have my hands full with this business. Well, what about the payroll, boss? I'll have to tell the folks at lunch, I guess. They're all in the mess tent now. Well, I'll see you later, Jim. Uh, think you can manage to get to the doctor? Oh, sure. I'm okay. Uh, do you want Jerry to go along? No, I'll be fine. I'd like to go with you, Mr. Bennett, please. Well, okay, if you feel that way. Oh, uh, Jim, huh? be sure to drop in my office when you get back. I'll, uh, I'll have to talk with, with Jason and... Okay, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, so long, boss. Uh, goodbye. Come on, Rags. <laughs> well, young fella, some funny things can happen around a circus lot, can't they? Golly, I'll say so, but... Well, what is it, son? You don't think it was Jason, do you? No, to tell you the truth, I don't. But but Mr. Randall said... I cleared up with all sorts of strange things since I joined this outfit. But one thing I'll say for him, he's pretty fair. Oh, I'm sure he is. But he's got a gift for putting his finger on the right guy. I, I'm just sure Jason didn't do it. Well, we'll hope he can clear himself. And if he can't? If he can't, I'd say Jason was in pretty hot water. Circus. Jason's in some hot water, he is. Yeah. Oh, Whitey knows. But I mean, yeah, what, what was the, did, they were knocked out, the guy with the money on payday, everything happened kind of quick, and they were like, oh, let's quit, and it's like, that would be suspicious, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not the brightest criminals in the world. Not really. <sighs> nope. But this is a children's show from the uh, golden age of radio, so... Yeah. We wouldn't expect, like, you know, uh, Hannibal Lecter or something like that. Yeah, masterminds of crime, no. Crime doesn't pay. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. That's right. Crime doesn't pay. Yeah. That's from the old, that's from the shadow. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. <laughs> crime wow. does not pay. Nice. There you go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that fit in there nicely. That's so, good. Uh, so yeah. Uh, well, looks like we've got um, an, an ongoing circus. Yeah, an ongoing crisis here. The gun. Yeah. The gun. It belongs to Jason. They're trying to frame the good guy as yeah. is probably going to happen like 18 times in this. Um, probably. Yeah, in this series. But 
Uh, but yeah, but you know it's mm-hmm. the dog hating bad guys because the bad guys hate dogs. Uh, the mustache. Who does that? The mustache, Nobody. Mustache twirling knife thrower. Yeah, seriously. So they're no damn good. No, no. So shall we see uh, what happens in uh, the next part? Uh, we have just enough. Let's time. do it. Here we go. Chapter eight, right? I believe so. Let's go. Jerry of the circus. Thank you, boys. All right, now, if you'll all be quiet for a few minutes, uh, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. Bad news? No, no, wait, wait, wait until I'm through, and then you can all talk it over. I'm sorry, I have to tell you that Jim Bennett has been robbed of the payroll money. Oh, no. You don't say. Well, what about our pay? What about our Just a minute, just a minute. Keep cool. It'll all be paid every cent you've got coming to you. But not today. Now, listen, folks. Now, wait a minute, listen. We've always worked together on things, and I'm sure none of you will fail me now. I'm going to have to make some investigations, naturally. Meantime, meantime, I'll have some more money sent over, and you'll all get your pay tomorrow. I'm sorry to be a day late, but I'm sure you'll all bear with me. Sure, boss. It's okay with me, Governor. Uh, All right, folks, that's all. Go on with your lunch now. So long, folks. Oh, hello there, Patsy. Hello, Mr. Randall. How's the new act coming along? Think it'll be ready to put on the show pretty soon? I hope so, Mr. Randall. Oh, how awful about the robbery. Was was Jim hurt? (laughs) Isn't that like a woman? Always got to worry about someone else. Well, not seriously, Patsy. Just a bump on the head. Oh, what a shame. Did you see anybody, Randall? I'm afraid I'll have to keep his remarks confidential for the present, Jason. Uh, by the way, uh, drop by my office after you've had your lunch. There's something I'd like to discuss with you. Certainly. And if there's anything I can do about this payroll business, you can count on me. Mm, well, we'll see. Goodbye, Patsy. Bye, Mr. Randall. Uh, just a minute, Mr. Randall. Yes, Jason? I'm not hungry now, and if you don't mind, I'll run along with you now. Fine. Glad to have you. Gee, this is terrible. Yes, I'm afraid it is, Jason. What about Bennett? Well, I, uh, I didn't want to upset Patsy, but he was pretty badly knocked about. Has he seen a doctor yet? Yes, he's there now. Jerry happened to be on the spot when I discovered the thing, and he's gone with him. Good. What's in your mind, Mr. Randall? I, uh, I just wanted you to identify something for me. Here, here's my office. Uh, step right in, will you? 
Identify? What do you mean? Well, here it is. You recognize this? Sure. Well, that's the gun I reported lost. That's mine, all right. I thought so, but I wasn't quite sure of the number. No, don't touch it. I'm keeping it wrapped in this handkerchief in case there might be fingerprints on it. Well, look, part of the handle's been knocked off. Yes, yes, I know. Was it like that when you last saw it? <laughs> no, sir. That's happened since I last used it. You don't say. Good heavens. You don't mean... You certainly can't think I've had anything to do with this business. I don't want to think so, Jason. But, uh... Well, where were you from 11.30 to 12.30 this noon? Well, I... I guess I was taking a walk before lunch. Mm, that's fine. Who were you with? Well, I wasn't with anybody. Well... Certainly someone saw you someplace. What part of town were you in? Gee, Mr. Randall, I went out the other way, into the country. I went right along the railroad tracks, and when that noon train passed me, I headed back here for lunch. Mm. You mean you haven't anyone to vouch for having seen you? Well, I'm afraid I haven't. Well, pretty tough, Jason. Golly, Mr. Randall, you don't think that I'm the kind of to pull a stick up? I don't want to think so. Is there anything I can do to clear myself? Bring in the real culprit. And if you don't think I'll try that, you're crazy. But, uh, don't go off this lot. I'm sorry, but... I'll have to keep you under surveillance until this thing is settled. Well, that's fair enough. Got any tips to give me? I'm afraid not, Jason. After all, you're a suspect until we can prove someone else had this gun since you claim to have lost it. Okay. I'll prove I'm innocent if it's the last thing I do. Mr. Randall! Huh? Mr. Randall! Oh, hello, Jason. Hi, Jerry. What's on your mind? Gee, Mr. Randall, the doc says Mr. Bennett's got to stay in bed. No. Jerry, are you sure? Yep. Says maybe he's got a... A concussion or something, and, and Bennett says he won't stay in bed. He's going along with the show, and he's raving something terrible and calling for you. And Well, so I came as quick as I could. Uh, well, I'll get down there right away. Oh, uh, by the way, Jason, I I wouldn't repeat our little conversation. No, of course not. I'll talk to Barney, and he'll see that everything is going along as I want it. I understand. He's a good policeman. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll get down to Jim. Sorry, I'll have to lock this door now, so you better come on out, you two. Okay. Bye, Mr. Randall. Well, so long. Goodbye. Bye. Gee, isn't this exciting? A real hold-up and everything. Yeah, a little too exciting. You, you won't be mad if I ask you something. Of course not. Well, Mr. Bennett and, and Mr. Randall, well, they... Yes, Jerry? Well, they seem to think that gun... Belonged to me? Yeah, how'd you know? Because it does belong to me. No, oh, it can't, Jason. I'm sorry, I, I'm afraid it does. Gee, I... Oh, but don't worry, Jerry. I didn't pull that hold-up. Golly, I... Someone stole that revolver from me before you even joined this circus. Yeah, Mr. Randall said something about it, but they, well... They said it all might be a plant? What's a plant? Oh, just a plan. To pretend I'd lost it so when something like this turned up, I wouldn't be to blame. Carly, you know everything, don't you? I sure wish I did. But for one thing, I've got a good suspicion. I've got to see Bumps. Maybe he can help me. He's pretty good at thinking things out, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Well, here's the wagon. Bumps! Say, Bumps! Oh, hello there. Well, hello, Jason. Any news? Plenty. Is Lorenz around? Uh, no. Why? No, Decker? No. As a matter of fact, they went into town today. They ought to be getting back here soon, though. It's time to be getting to work. Now, listen, Bumps. I'm not trying to put an idea in your head, but you dress in the, in the same wagon, and I just wondered if you'd ever noticed either of them with a gun. Mm, can't say as I have. Anyhow, they aren't allowed to have guns. Uh, why? Well, I... You don't happen to know where they were around noon today. They weren't at lunch, you know. Sure we know, don't we, Bumps? They went into town. We saw them go. Uh, yeah, they were just about 11 or maybe a little after. Well, it looks like they're in the clear then, doesn't it? Oh, you mean about the robbery? Yeah. You see, my gun was found on the floor. Uh, yours? Yeah, and it just happens that I was off in the country taking a walk all alone, and I haven't anyone to prove where I was just at that time. Oh, Jason, that's bad. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, but I'll manage somehow. Well, I guess I better get ready for the act. I go on pretty soon. Uh, don't let it get you down, Jason. There's lots of things can happen. I'm finding that out. So long, folks. Bye, Jason. So long. 
Ah, oh, gee, Bumps, we just got to clear Jason. Mm, yeah. Well, son, looks as if we need a good detective around here. What with all that alfalfa disappearing and now the bankroll. Gee, these robbers aren't afraid of anything. They go off with truckloads of things at night and money in broad daylight and, and right in front of everybody. Oh, here's your chance to do a little super sleuthing, Jerry. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I got to get in and finish dressing. Those knife throwers better be getting here pretty soon. That looks like Decker now. Where? Down near the sideshows. See? With the beard. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, good. Uh, that's him, all right. Well, I'll be seeing you, son. So long, Bumps. Rags. Now, listen, Rags. You and me are going to be detectives. But we mustn't let anybody know it. Just Bumps, and he won't tell. Golly, you're wonderful, Rags. The way you pick things up. I think you're a knockout. Now, don't wag your tail so hard. It might fly off. Honest, it's a wonder it doesn't swing you instead of you swinging it. Hello, Jerry. And <laughs> Mr. Rags. Hi, Decker. What's this, a conference? It sure is. Rags and me, well, we got big, big business. Oh, you have. What's it all about? Well, I, I guess we can't tell you. It's official business, you know, and kind of private. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to be rude. Gee, I, I didn't mean it that way, Mr. Decker. I, I was just honest. <laughs> I know, I know. I guess I can take a hint. Oh, gee, I forgot. I've got to get these knives and go over and meet Lorenz. Isn't Lorenz going to make up? Oh, he's already made up. When we got back from town, we stopped by our compartment in the train, and he fixed up there a little. He was kind of tired, Just so... from going into town? Oh, well, uh... Oh, guess I better get those knives. Well, hi, Decker. Uh, hi, Bumps. Uh, I gotta hurry. Lorenz is waiting for these knives. Uh, he kind of keeps you hopping, doesn't he? Well, I work for him. He's boss. Mm-hmm. Well, there are all kinds of bosses, you know. Well, I got the knives. Guess I better beat it. you'd gone to bed. Well, I did, but but I can't sleep. Well, what's the matter? I, I just can't get things out of my mind. What kind of thing? Oh, the money and the alfalfa no, and... No, no, listen, Jerry. Even detectives have to sleep. I know, but listen, Bumps. I won't disturb anyone. Lorenz and Dicker were asleep. They didn't even hear sleep. Can't I just go out on the back platform and sit for a while with rags? Yeah, it's kind of late now. I, I just get up to get a drink of water. Everyone on the train's asleep. I know, but... But we'll be quiet. Mm, well, okay, son. But mind you, don't stay too long. <laughs> There'll be another big day tomorrow, you know. Lots of buckets to carry. A robbery or no robbery. I know. Thanks, Bumps. We'll be good, won't we, Rags? <laughs> Shh, don't answer me now. Just let me talk. <laughs> well, that's certainly taking an unfair advantage. <laughs> good night, son. Night, Bumps. Gee, isn't it swell out here? Golly, I love to be out in the middle of the night. You do too? Well, I don't blame you. Golly, it's most morning though now. Better, pup. What? Where? I don't see anything. Shh, not so loud. Just a minute. Let me look around. Oh, so that's it. Certainly does look funny. Yeah, right over there by the horse tent too. Yeah, can you see those shadows? Shh. Something sure enough moving. Golly, what do you think we'd better do, huh? <laughs> okay, we'll call someone. I know. 
Let's get Jason. Not so loud. After all, he's in a bad spot. And if he can catch the real burglars, I think he should, don't you? Stop it. Not so loud. Come on now. Quiet. Let's see. I, I think Jason's compartment is right near this end. Yeah, I, I guess this is it. Yeah, mm, yeah. Who is it? It's me. Who's me? It's me, Jerry. What do you want in the middle of the night? Come on in. Gee, Jason, something's going on over in the circus lot. What on earth are you talking about? Honest, I'm not kidding. Right around the horse stand. What? Rags and me. We couldn't sleep, so we went out on the platform. All of a sudden, Rags started to growl, and there, sure enough, I could see something moving around the horse stand. Well, maybe you've discovered something. Come on, we'll sneak out of here and find out what's what. Let's see. My flashlight and my, my gun. Okay, Jerry, come on. Solve the crime? I hope so. That would be a quick crime to solve. <laughs> Out in the middle of the night, the gun. They'll find the real robbers. Golly, I take hope them so. In, take them in for some circus justice. <laughs> I sure hope Rags gives them the what. I hope Rags gives them the what for. You know, Rags would give them the what for. That's adorable. That dog is actually a man. <laughs> Maybe. It's a Maybe. Well, that appears to be it. We've got two minutes to wrap things up. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That went well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so tomorrow, uh, I'll get saying my piece tomorrow on It Came From Cleveland. We're going to be celebrating... Uh, some fun celebrity birthdays, primarily uh, one Bruce Campbell. Very excited about cool. that. So yeah, I would imagine. Evil yeah. Dead. Miles will be talking about uh, the invasion of France in World War II. Yeah. Um, and Joe has a personal connection to our latest Twilight Zone episode, the one that we bumped uh, from last show to this yeah. uh, to this week. So, um, and yeah, so we're going to be talking about a lot of other stuff. Uh, let me see. Uh, cool. Couple, couple it came other, from Cleveland. A couple other you... uh, birthdays we will probably mention. Uh, Peter Weller from RoboCop. George Orwell of 1984 and Animal Farm Ooh. fame. June Lockhart from Lost nice. in Space, who is still with us at the age mm. of 95. Lindsay yeah. Wagner, the bionic woman. And mm -hmm. possibly little Nick Offerman from uh, Parks and Rec and uh, uh, stand up and woodworking. <laughs> yeah. And he was yeah. in Devs. Fun he stuff. was in the sci fi series Devs recently. So. Yeah. But all right. So, yeah, check that out tomorrow. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it on Friday. Everybody's back again. This is but... episode 13 tomorrow. Oh, it's your thirteenth episode already. Wow, mm -hmm. that's cool. So, yeah. More robots. It came from Cleveland. New mythical moment from Adam. More kill the hippies nice. music. Horror trailers wow. from Michelle. We got Just it all. All the delightful things to make your life really fun. It is hard yeah. to squeeze all this stuff into three hours that we do, but we do it. 
You do it. Because it love. Mm -hmm. Because of love. Alright, so what do you got for everybody? Uh, that's it. I'm just gonna say goodbye. Um, nice to talk to you. You Likewise. know, nice to, it was a nice, beautifully clear day today. It's the pleasant, pleasant, uh, pleasant, uh, skies and clear skies. And uh, I think I might, uh, go out and weed the garden a little bit. I don't know. In the middle of the night to make the neighbors think I'm crazy. They'll just think you really like R.E.M. Why? They have a song called Gardening at Night. They do? I've never heard it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm not alternative. It's then. like one of my favorite songs by them. Oh, but, cool. But I'm not I a big not REM fan. It. Yeah, they have a song called Gardening at Night. So there you go. Yeah. Well, okay. good night from me, everybody. We'll see everybody on It Came From Cleveland, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow and every Friday. All right. Good night. It's great seeing you guys. Time for go to bed.